Mac Power Users, episode 482, Color Me Interested. Hello and welcome back to Mac Power Users. I'm your host, Stephen Hackett, and I'm joined by my friend and your friend, David Sparks. Hello, Mr. Hackett. How are you today? Uh, I'm doing well. We're, we're back here with some more uh, feedback and follow-up, and uh, I was trying to think of something else to round that list out, but I, I didn't succeed, to be honest. I don't know. I'm looking, I'm looking at the outline, and I see lots of confessions going on throughout the show. There are some confessions. Uh, <laughs> there are some ideas about file management, and at the end, we're going to talk a little bit about what we want to see from WBDC. It's about a month away as we record this, but we're not going to have another kind of feedback, you know, free-flowing episode between now and then. So we're going to we're going to put the Mac Power user stake in the ground a little bit early for WBDC. Yeah. Also, I will say that on my morning walk today, I saw that hawk again. Uh-huh. Not promising it, but maybe there'll be a murder today as well. <laughs> I feel like murder is a strong word for like what happens in nature. But yeah. you're the hippie, not it's me. It's exciting though. It is exciting. I don't see him right now, but... He's out there, though. This morning. He's waiting. He's out there. Maybe he <laughs> already got something. Anyway, yeah. That's the other thing in my neighborhood. If you have a cat and it stays out one night, then you don't have a cat anymore. Oh, yeah. That's, that's the general rule. I could see that. My mom has chickens. So my mom lives out in the country and has a bunch of chickens. And she has the same danger uh, from hawks, but also raccoons, because raccoons and stuff will kill yeah. chickens and snakes will, will kill them. And so her chicken coop is like... a. A fortress, like there's stuff buried underground, so they can't dig in from underneath. And there's yeah. stuff above. It's it's really it's a safe place out there. Fight off the night king. <laughs> we uh, the, the the danger here is the uh, the coyotes, and I don't know if you've ever heard a coyote when it captures something. I have. It's horrifying. Yeah, we hear that pretty regularly, and we figure some some pet has has gone away. <laughs> I think I think we've gone off the edge already even before we got started though. <laughs> oh yeah, okay. Yeah, so we're recording. You know, the the numbers are ticking up in audio hijack. Uh, but, but before you get to stuff, I wanted to pass along a congratulations to you. Uh, this was noted in the forums today that this week marks the 10th anniversary of Mac Power Users. <laughs> so congratulations. Wow. Wow. Oh, thank you. Thank you. That's amazing. Well, you played a big role in it, too. We're getting I there, just, slowly but surely. I, I was just texting Katie last week. I will make sure to to reach out to her, and uh, we'll have a celebratory pint between ourselves. There you go. But the, uh, yeah, it was, you know, it was crazy. When we started the show, everybody told us that nobody would listen when I had the idea of doing a focused show on, you know, like uh, one topic, mm-hmm. which, you know, we still try to do to this day. Um, everyone, Katie included, said we got ten in us, and I'm like, well, there'll be ten great ones. So, and here we are. I guess it meant ten years. <laughs> Hopefully, a lot longer than ten years. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but so, yeah, that's great. It it really blows my mind. Um, those who follow me online know my son's a cancer survivor, and this week is his ten year anniversary from his diagnosis, and I've never put together that that and MPU launched the same week, like. It just, it's a very emotional week over here in the Hackett family. (laughs) Mac Power users, you got Josiah doing well. So uh, 10th anniversary is all around this week. Lots of folks beating the odds. um, (laughs) We we spent like six months planning the first show, and then we recorded a couple that we immediately threw away. So it's actually Mm -hmm. older than that in my head. But but yeah, that's great. You know, I, I had completely 
not lost track of that. You know, I didn't realize that this was it. So thank you, forums. Yes, thank you. Um, and you, you said something that I want to circle back to for a second, that you guys recorded some stuff that never made it. Yeah. You know, never made it out. And that is my, like, that's a serious piece of advice I give to people who are going to start podcasting or start writing or start doing videos is create some practice stuff that, you know, go into it, prepare like it's going to be real, record like it's going to be real, but be willing to have demos or things that just don't make it out because it gives you space to figure out what you're doing and to, to maybe smooth out some of the rough edges. I think it's a really wise thing when embarking on a new project. No, we didn't intend to make it practice. We just did it. And at the end, we're like, <laughs> let's do that again. Let's uh, take two. <laughs> but yeah, that's great. 10 years. Wow. And it feels like just yesterday. And I, I love making this show. I look forward to it every week. And yeah, like you said, I, I'm not stopping until they yank this mic out of my hand. So <laughs> we're here for a while, gang. That's right. Uh, so we're going to start with... Apple News and Apple News Plus. So we spoke about this when this was all announced back in March, adding the News Plus with all the magazine content and all that stuff. And we spoke then about sort of our use of Apple News, which I think basically neither of us use it very much, I think is where we left that. But uh, the 30-day trial is now come and gone for News Plus. And I'm curious if, you know, you're a big magazine reader now in Apple News. Yeah, it's interesting because... You know, this whole movement going on around around digital minimalism, uh, like we had Shahid on uh, Focused recently, and we talked about it at some length. It's never really been an issue for me, so I haven't really felt the need to go crazy on, you know, scaling back social media because I'm pretty good at, at avoiding it to begin with. But it, uh, it made me think about where my weak spots are, and news is one of them. I feel like um, I can derail my day by going into news. And and I actually use Apple News quite a bit. I mean, it has been my preferred news source now for uh, okay. a year or two. I mean, I, I I went in on it. I think it's it's good. You know, I like that it's all in one place. Uh, but I have come to realize, especially over the last three months, I've been very mindful about how much time I spend there and when I spend time there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the news, you know, you know how the news is, they, they report the bad stuff. And I find that if I spend a half hour reading the news before I go to bed, I actually don't sleep as well. You know, it, there's a direct line between sleep tracking and me reading the news hmm. at, at night. So, so I've been trying to be more focused on that. And while I haven't given up on Apple news, I have scaled time back on that and it's still my primary source. So with that kind of in context, this, this, um, news plus thing shows up with magazines and, one of the things I thought was reading magazines as opposed to going from one horrible article to the next as, you know, these news algorithms will feed you might be a good way to combat that. So I've been enjoying it. I, you know, I read a couple magazines in there that I like, some of them tech related, some of them news and, and commentary. Um, and the interesting thing for us is, you know, my kids are into it too, and different industries and a lot of those industry magazines are in Apple news. So the $10 a month for four people is something that is a lot easier to justify than for one person. Uh, but we did have a conversation and enough of us are reading magazines out of it to make the $10 a month, uh, an easy buy for us. But I have another OmniFocus thing set in three months to say, okay, well now how, now how much are you reading it? You know, um, if it wears off, we're you know we're we're definitely keeping this one 
on close watch, but for now we're remaining subscribers. Okay. So, so you're using it. Um, it seems like in limited scope and limited time, but even that's more than I do. I've never yeah. really clicked with Apple news and I gave the trial a good run. You know, I like magazine content, especially like car magazines and, but it just, it hasn't stuck with me. And in the, Day since News Plus has launched, they have, they have actually continued to improve it. They've changed the interface some, making it easier to follow a magazine and, and know when you know new editions come out and that sort of thing. But it just hasn't really stuck with me, so I, I, I bailed on the trial before getting billed, and, and I don't think I'll, it'll be something I I return to. You know, I still read news, actually primarily in an RSS reader. I use Feedbin uh, as my RSS sort of backend, and I use. Reader now Reader Four version four as my clients uh, just about everywhere and you know I, I have a lot of sites in there and then for if I kind of want to read like news news I'll I'll go out to some you know big publications and and just do it kind of the old fashioned way and go like find the news and, and go read the news so I don't really particularly like the way that that news and some of these other systems will break things apart and kind of, you know, feed you what it thinks you're interested in. I want a little more control over it than that. So it hasn't quite clicked with me, but I was probably not ever going to be front in line to, to check it out anyways. Oh, well, what I, for me, it's, um, I found that I can get enough of the daily news much quicker than I was doing it before. Mm -hmm. And then then I'll pick, you know, I'll deliberately pick an article to read out of a good magazine. And then I call it a day. And it, that's working for me. But like I said, it, if the if the other members of my family were saying, no, we're not interested at all, I'm not sure I would keep it. <laughs> you know what I mean? But, you know, when your kids are reading it and your wife likes a couple of magazines, it's like, all right, we'll we'll continue. But but I, I do feel like I'm not sure the newness is worn off. And in addition to my own habits, I want to talk to everybody else in two or three months to see if we keep it. But for now, we're in. Okay. Yeah, we'll check back in then. Because I think it is a really interesting product, even if it's not for me. Yeah. All right. Uh, we used to cover stuff we're trying at the end of the show, but I thought this week maybe we would start with it. Okay. So I have a confession. <laughs> oh, oh boy. Uh, I, I talked on this show recently about how the next time Apple releases iPads, I'd get an 11 inch. Well, um, I heard from a reader slash listener whose wife just, uh, wanted the iPad mini. So he got her one. Okay. She didn't want, she didn't want her 11 inch anymore. Uh, conversations were held. Emails were exchanged. Oh, offers no. were exchanged. Money was exchanged. So I've had a, uh, for a couple of weeks now, I've had an 11 inch. In addition to your 12.9. Yes, I have too. So you're back in the multi-pad <laughs> lifestyle. Yeah. I didn't intend to. It was kind of dumb because what if they come out with a new one in two weeks? But whatever. Yeah, I think the iPad Pro is fine for a while. Yeah. So did you, remind me, did you have the old 10.5 Pro or you've been on the big boy ever since it came out? Yeah, I, I gave my 10.5 to my daughter. Okay. So I, I've been on just the big one Okay. since... Since the new pros came out, and how do you feel about the 11 inch? Wow, I, you know what? I forgot how much I like having a, a smaller one. You know, it's, <laughs> it's really nice. It is really nice. I uh, so uh, you know, usually I keep it next. I work it on my iMac most of the day, mm -hmm. and I've got the big 12.9 next to me. 
Uh, I've had it in various stands over the years. At this point, I've kind of resorted to just keeping it in the keyboard stand. And it's just there next to me. And I do all sorts of iPad-related things. Some of my automation stuff I run from iOS instead of Mac. And you know, anyway, it's just nice having an iPad in front of me all day. But anytime I leave the house, um, that extra, you know, portability really makes a difference. You know, just, you know, anything I do outside the house, it's just much nicer. I, we had a, uh, I know this is kind of a, a thing with me and people get tired of hearing it, but you know, my wife had a thing at Disneyland. She works there. So I, uh, I, I drove her to work and I went into the park and brought the 11 inch and answered a bunch of email, did some work on it. It's just nice having something smaller to carry around. I haven't flown with it yet, but I'm sure this will be much nicer on an airplane too. Yeah, definitely. So do you see your future having the 12.9 for like in the office around the house and then the 11 inch being uh, your mobile setup when you are going to work with an iPad? Yeah, basically anything away from my desk. The other thing, the big one is really good for is I use it for my music. Mm -hmm. I, uh, I read sheet music every day and, uh, the, the larger glass is makes it easier. Okay. Know? And uh, so that's nice. Uh, but the, uh, I, you know, it's silly to have two, but I have two and I don't see myself backing off that anytime soon. I, I think I'm probably good for a while. And the nice thing is like this 12.9 is going to last a long time. You know, they, uh, you know, that's the, that's the problem with the iPad, right? You buy one and it runs forever. So I don't feel like I need to replace them both every sure. year or every time they have a new cycle, but uh, having the two different sizes, I can see the benefits of both. And I know it's a total luxury and uh, don't make fun of me, but <laughs> that's just, you know, it is a nice luxury. Now, are you keeping them set up the same way or, or are they, will that you think will they diverge in the future where the home one is sort of more geared to what you do at home and the 11 inch be set up differently somehow? They have already diverged a okay. bit. Um, you know, I, I don't, I've never been with one of these contextual iPad guys. I know that they're out there. People say, well, I only write on this one and I only do calendaring on that one. I, I, whatever tools I need, I have them on, on the devices. Um, but like I said, you know, anytime you're moving around that smaller size, is nice. even in bed, you know, just reading in bed is something I do all the time with the iPad. Like we were talking about Apple news. I do that on that iPad and the smaller one is much easier. It's it's a noticeable difference between the two and uh this is where I make my confession. Yes, all I want to say to the listeners is Stephen just wrote in the outline Stephen has a slight confession. Slight confession. I I do not have I laid it out there, brother. I told you in the outline what I did. You you I don't know what it is. What, what did you do, Steven? This is where I need to tease everyone along uh, right after this ad break. No, I'm just, just kidding. I, uh, so I've had the, or have the 12.9 inch USB-C, you know, the current iPad Pro. Yeah. And it's been a while since I've had the 12.9. I had the 12.9 when it first came out. When was that? Like 2015? Like the, the first 12.9? Yeah. And then I went to the 10.5, then back to the 12.9. Yeah, I remember you and me talking when you bought this mm -hmm. one that you were thinking, well, I'm going to go at it harder. I want the bigger one. And uh, and the 12.9 is awesome. Like the screen is amazing. It's it's great to have something so big. The keyboard, I think, is superior on the 12.9 if you use the Apple Smart Keyboard Folio because the extra width is really, I think, really makes the keyboard just a nicer experience. So I'm trucking along with the 12.9. And then I have a family member who has, uh, they have an iMac at their desk and they have 
a pretty old now MacBook Air. I, I want to say it's like a 2011 or 2012. Like it's it's got some years on it, and I've put a battery in it, and I did something else to it, and like it's just kind of time for this MacBook Air to retire. And this family member, what they do in a mobile context is really pretty straightforward. They don't necessarily need, uh, a, you know, like a new MacBook Pro or even a new MacBook Air. Like an iPad is is sure uh, plenty for what they're going to do. Uh, away from their desk. And uh, and they were really interested in trying the 12.9, you know, the idea of going from a 13-inch Air to like a 12, you know, almost 13-inch iPad seemed like a pretty good fit for yeah. them. And so I cut a deal with this family member where they bought my 12.9 for me and I ended up going back to the 11. And uh, it's been about a month. I got to say... <laughs> You've kept the secret from me. <laughs> from everybody. I haven't talked about this anywhere. I got to say, I think I really prefer... The 11. For all the reasons you just talked about, I was sitting here nodding my head. The the 11 is still nice and big uh, as far as the screen and the keyboard's pretty good, but it is shockingly more portable than the 12.9. The 12.9 I couldn't use like to read in bed at night very easily. Yeah, I really didn't even like like walking around the house, you know, without the keyboard covers, like walking around listening to something or or you know doing doing a FaceTime call or whatever. 12.9 is just is just big, even the new one with the smaller bezels. And it is noticeably smaller than the old one. It was still just too much for me. And I feel like the 11 still gets me over the hump where I can use it as a laptop replacement in terms of screen size and power. But yeah. it's, you know, the 12.9 and my 13-inch MacBook Pro is like carrying two machines of the same size. And uh, I kind of like the iPad being smaller. So I think this is where we've settled. My family member is happy with the 12.9. He's actually really enjoying it. And uh, has moved from his MacBook Air and his iPad only when it comes to working out of the office. And I've got the little 11-inch, and I really, really like the size. So it all it all panned out in the end. Yeah, I, I, I only kept a secret for two weeks because I thought I might not mm -hmm. keep it. You know, I didn't know. I just wanted to try it. And uh, and I liked it, so I'm, I'm keeping it. But, you know, one of the, the trade-offs, the bigger one is you get two full-size apps versus with the 11-inch, you only get one full-size and one half-size or one kind of iPhone width. And that is a, that's a bummer. And, and I have to imagine that if iOS 13 yet again reworks the multitasking on the iPad, that, of course, that would be, you know, more roomy on the big one. But the 11-inch, I feel like, is maybe like over that line of like, it, it's good enough for even people using multiple apps at a time to get things done. I, I use it with multiple apps and it, it really hasn't been a problem because I don't, you know, I don't do a lot of multiple app stuff. Even when I was doing reference stuff, writing on, I would write on the small width and use references, the larger mm -hmm. width. Yeah. And it was fine. You know, so I haven't really noticed much of a difference. And I think I'd agree with you. I, if if I uh, could only have one, I think the smaller one would be the one now, which is kind of interesting since I started with the bigger one. But but what what does um, uh, Ferris Bueller say? You know, it's very nice if you have the means. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was just lucky enough to have two now, and uh, I know if Katie's listening out there, she's rolling her eyes. It's okay, Katie. <laughs> People thought I was going to keep you in check, and I failed. I really have. <laughs> no, I mean you're you were worse. You you had one longer than I did, man. But I, I still I just, only had one. It was a like seamless transaction selling the twelve nine going go. to this. Yeah, yeah. So Yeah, you're better than I am. You're better man <laughs> than I am. But yeah, 
I, I do like it though, and it, it's nice, and I, I understand why people like and prefer the 11 inch, but the uh, I'm not getting rid of the 12 nine. Still, still does some good work for me. Yeah, I could totally see it in that environment of like it's mostly at home, maybe even mostly on a desk. Like it is more like the the notebook replacement because of that screen size, you know, yeah. and the keyboard width, which is another yeah. critical element for some of us. Yep. Yep. Well, we did it. <laughs> iPads all over the place. Well, that that just makes uh that just makes our talk at the end of this uh episode about WWDC all the more important. We have more uh, more in the game, more skin in the That's game right. now. I did want to briefly talk about Tech Soap, which we mentioned, I want to say, on the menu bar episode. Uh, Text Soap yeah. is this great little Mac app. I say little. It's not a little app. It does all sorts of crazy things where you can feed it text and it can do all sorts of things to it. So you can do capitalization, conversions to uppercase and lowercase. It can You can copy in HTML and just get the text out of it. You can do all sorts of stuff with Markdown. It's really powerful. And I've I've had it on my Mac for a while now, but I've only ever used it in like sort of weird situations. Like sometimes you copy something from a website and it comes with a bunch of garbage because the website's not built very well and you can go there and clean it all up. Or, uh, you know, uh, maybe I download some something uh, that's just HTML and I just want the, you know, lots of different things. Yeah. It's just a great utility. Yeah, absolutely. It should be in everyone's menu bar if you deal a lot with text. Uh, but one problem I've run into, it's been it's been part of my workflow in the Mac for a long time, is when, I, when I'm when i doing sort of banking stuff for uh, Relay, uh, the company, very often I need to copy something like from the bank website into, you know, FreshBooks, which they're a sponsor, but they're Relay's invoicing system or into a Google Sheet. The bank, of course, when I copy it, comes with the dollar sign and the comma, and sometimes some like extra junk formatting I don't want. So I set up a, a tech soap uh, little, it's not really a script, but like a, a little job where I, if I paste in, you know, dollar sign, one comma, two, zero, zero, so $1,200, and I can, I, I, name the, I name the job Clean Money, and it gets rid of the dollar sign and the comma and any other extra junk. And then I can paste out just one, two, zero, zero. I just need the digits and not all the formatting. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Uh, but what I what I want is a way to do this more quickly. So I've been doing it in TechSoap, which is pretty fast. But if I have something just on my clipboard, you know, it's you got to get it into tech soap or if it's already in a document it's easier but then i have all the junk formatting in the document and i don't want it and so i've been playing with some ideas on how uh to to work on this and uh, we're, we're going to do a keyboard maestro episode uh here pretty soon you're finishing the field guide for that and uh, as we've spoken about i don't have a lot of experience with keyboard maestro and actually none in recent years so i've been playing with that maybe maybe that can help me do this you know more quickly just on the pasteboard uh, and so it's uh, yeah. it's something, it's a problem I'm still working on, but using some apps that we've talked about in the past and some apps we're going to talk about in the future to to take this little squeaky bit of my workflow and, and make it run more smoothly. Yeah, it's nice when you can do that. Mm-hmm. I believe, uh, I should look this up. I, I believe TechSoap is part of Setup. So if you have a Setup subscription, you've already mm-hmm. got it. But it's it's a great tool. Um, it's got a kind of a nice story behind it too. I forget the developer's name. I met the fella. He's from Portland, and it's just like 
he made this app to scratch his own itch and realize other people wanted text tools as well on the Mac. And he spends all his time, just, just imagine somebody that's a smart programmer spending all their time thinking of ways to clean text. And then you've got all that power available to you whenever you want it. It's a, mm-hmm. it's a really great app. And it's ability to, to customize these jobs, right? So like TechSoap comes with a lot of default uh, options and they're all really good, but none of them did exactly what I wanted. So you can create your own custom setup. And so mine goes through and it searches for the dollar sign, gets rid of it, searches for commas, gets rid of them, and then makes everything plain text at the end. So it's all nice and clean to paste into fresh books or to Google Sheets or wherever else. So you can you can build your own tools within this this application if it doesn't do what you want it to do out of the box. And that's one thing I love about all of these these Mac utilities that, you know, do things like this or like Keyboard Maestro, you can build these things and link them together and uh, you can make some really like, this, this is a super narrow problem, right? Like this is a problem that I have, probably not that many others. And so it can be something that just works for me. Yeah. But it's it, the, the nice thing about the tool is that it can do so much that almost everybody has a text problem, just not the same one. Mm-hmm. You know, something I was just thinking about though, before we, uh, we move on, have you told Mike Hurley about your switch on your iPad? Uh, he'll hear it when the show comes out. Oh man, he's going to give you <laughs> such a hard time. It's true. It's true. Just remember the the MPU is a place of love here. We're we're not going to we're not going to give you a hard time. I I appreciate that. This episode of the Mac Power Users is brought to you by our friends over at 1Password. 1Password is the app that both Steven and I use to manage all of our passwords. And you know what these days you need an application to do this. You can't do it yourself. There's just too much stuff going on out there. 1Password is the, you know, the end-all solution for all this stuff. It not only does it generate complex passwords that it saves per individual website or login for you, it also automatically puts those in. So you can have the benefit of both a complex password, but ease of use and simplicity. But there's so much more to 1Password. You know, there's this team of really smart people behind it. They're trying to think of all of your computer security needs and how to deliver the goods to you. For example, if you've got a business, you can get a 1Password for business account and share your passwords among your employees. I'm hearing from clients all the time that are having security-related problems at their work. A lot of it is because they don't have good passwords or even a way to share them. You know, when somebody sticks a sticky note on their computer with a password to something that's critical to the business, it's really a huge security hole. And with 1Password, you solve that problem. 1Password also has some cool stuff, like it will monitor the web for websites that have known security problems. Like if somebody gets hacked and suddenly a bunch of their passwords get released, and it'll check that list against your passwords. So we'll say, hey, you're logged into site XYZ. Well, site XYZ had a security problem last week. You better create a new password for it. And whether using the one password for business or your family or your personal, it's going to give you that benefit. It's just a really great service that's always finding ways to help you become more secure. One of the things they started doing most recently that I was really impressed with was the business security webinar event. So they did this webinar and it's still going on. You can still participate in it. They've had some really great speakers. Troy Hunt from Have I Been Pwned, you know, that guy who figures out all the passwords that are out in the wild and then you can check yours against it. He did a seminar for them just recently. Michael Sherwood from from Malwarebytes did one on May 2nd. And then Alex Ross here is going to do one on May 23rd. 
third. Uh, he's the uh, head of business development at Proton Mail, which is a whole another thing about how to have more secure email. So you can go sign up for that over at their their website. Go to one password. Dot com. Uh, but, you know, it's just a great company always bringing the best in security to your devices. And it, I mean all devices. It covers your Mac, your iPhone, your iPad. They're on Android. They're on Windows. They, they got it all covered. If you want to check it out, head over to onepassword.com slash MPU. And MPU is in all caps to get that 20% off. So once again, onepassword.com slash MPU in all caps. Get yourself 20% off and protect yourself, your family, your coworkers today. Thanks, 1Password, for all of your support of the Mac Power Users. Okay, so uh, we had a question from Tyler that sort of set me off on, uh, I think it could be an interesting conversation, about how we manage data and files, but not for us, but for clients. So you, of course, with your law practice, have uh, a bunch of clients, and I have a handful of clients in my sort of what's left of my consulting business. And I do some freelance writing. Yeah. And so uh, I thought we could talk about this. And Tyler in particular was asking about client information in one password. So, so he writes, for example, tax ID numbers, passwords, or other information. Just curious what your setup uh, might be for that. So uh, you have a, a bigger data set and, and honestly probably a more sensitive data set than me. So is this something that you do or do you have a process around this? Yes and no. I definitely do have secure locations for client data. But for me, the first step is to try to not have it. Like I, when I, if I have a client that has a trade secret, you know, the seven secret herbs and spices of the colonel's chicken or something, I just say, look, you don't need to give that to me. You know, the lawyer doesn't need to know the herbs and spices. Yeah. And um, so I try to filter out as much as I can. Uh, but I do a lot of business. I represent a lot of businesses, so I keep track of their EINs and some other data that I need for them. And I do that. I know this is going to sound like an ad, especially since we just did an ad for One Password. But uh, the secure notes feature in One Password is very handy. Uh, it's you know it's a separate kind of vault of data, and it's an open file format, or, or at least an open kind of format of storage inside one password that syncs across all your devices. So I use those notes and I have notes for various clients where I keep bits of information I need. But even then I'm super careful about those filters. Like um, when you form a new company, when you get the, if I am am involved with the EIN, when you report to the IRS, you got to give the social security number of the key person behind the company when you get the EIN. My um, workflow for that is I, I call the client up, I write down the number on a piece of paper with a, over the phone, and then I use the number enough to register the company, and then I shred the piece of paper. So I have the social security number for about 10 minutes, you know, and then it's gone. And I, it never gets exchanged digitally. You know, I don't ask for it in text messages or emails or anything, and I never store it on any digital information related to the client. So whenever I get, you know, like really secure data uh, that I need temporarily, I do it over the telephone and I shred it in that way. And I tell the client, look, I'm not going to have this longer than about 10 minutes. And some clients think I'm crazy. They're like, oh, I don't care. It's okay. I'm like, no, I, I just don't want to have it. So often I think uh, when it comes to other people's data, the first question you should ask yourself is, do I need it? Do I absolutely need it? And if you don't, then don't get it. Then you save yourself a lot of work. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. If you if you limit what comes in, then your responsibility for it 
is non-existent <laughs> or, or, or yeah. smaller yeah. at least. Yes. Yeah, so, so for me, I don't have anything like social security numbers or, or you know, trade secrets, but uh, I, on occasion, will have, you know, passwords or login information for a client. I've got a couple of people I've consulted for for a long time where I have you know, information about their email server or their, you know, G Suite account or something like that. And uh, so for me, I have a, a, a personal vault in one password that's not shared in my family's account. So my wife doesn't have access to it, just me. And all I do is I just do client name and then dash the name of the entry, you know, so if it's there you know, G Suite account, you know, you yeah. know, client name dash G Suite. So they're all grouped together and I can search really easily. Uh, I also have, uh, you know, sometimes in there, if I have something about how something is set up, you know, I'll attach screenshots to that record. A really cool thing on password is being able to add images or attachments to an entry. And so I have some of that in there as well. And uh, if I, you know, if a consulting thing ends or, you know, they move on or I move on, then part of that process is me, uh, getting rid of all that that information. I don't keep people's logins after I'm not working for them. Um, and uh, on occasion, I've got regular files as, as well. So not, you know, passwords or sort of sensitive stuff, but just, hey, here's a bunch of stuff that we edited, you know, or a bunch of photos we took or something. And uh, I store those in nested folders on Dropbox. I have a freelance folder. And then I've got, say, a six colors folder with all my, you know, articles I've written for Jason over the years, a Mac Stories folder with all the stuff I've written for Federico, and then I'll have, you know, client A, client B. And anything active or recently active, I'll put in there kind of by project and by date. But then once something is passed or, you know, I'm not working for them anymore, but it's still something that I need to keep around, then that gets filed away on my archives external SSD. Again, just by folder and some simple organization so I can find it later. But like you, I try not to hold on to stuff unless uh, I really need to. So if it's something like, you know, some design work I did for somebody, I would generally keep that because they may come back years later, uh, as happened recently with with my story about Cork Express, uh, or they need to tweak a logo or do something, then I'll, I'll keep those design files. But, you know, if I'm if I've worked on copy for a website or something like that. Stuff I haven't done in a long time now, honestly. Uh, usually that sort of stuff, you know, it's small. I can keep it around. But uh, I just kind of play it on a case-by-case basis and what I think that future Stephen may need versus, you know, keeping a bunch of people's stuff around forever. Yeah. I uh, One of the things I've done recently is uh, for the longest time I kept uh, client notes in Apple Notes. Like I'd have a running note for each client thing. Like if we're negotiating a contract, that would be a note. Or if it was just a corporate general thing, I would have a note. And uh, I never was happy with the way Apple Notes did search. And uh, so uh, about a month or two ago, I started moving a bunch of that stuff into Ulysses in a uh, section of Ulysses that is, you know, um, alphabetized list of clients with, with inside of it, separate subgroups for, uh, you know, transactional items, disputes, you know, general information. And it's, uh, it takes a little bit of clicking sometimes to get to it, but I like having, you know, to see everything in one place and know that everything is there that, you know, I didn't miss something cause the search didn't catch it, you know? And, um, and I kind of like the compartmentalization of Ulysses for that stuff. 
so I've been uh, doing an experiment on that, which I think is going to take, and I'm I'm going to start slowly moving a lot of stuff out of Apple Notes over to Ulysses for client reference, and and that's working for me good. Yeah, I think having some place separate for that sort of stuff, so it's not just in with you know your day to day notes or your day to day passwords. I mean, that makes a lot of sense, not only from the perspective of it's a little bit separate for anyone who was poking around and, and they shouldn't be, but just so also so like yeah. when you're just do, leading your life, you know, trying to look for the grocery list or whatever, or, you know, you're at the paint store trying to find paint colors you decided on and you have to scroll past a bunch of work stuff. And then you're thinking about work and work yeah. has interfered in part of your life where it shouldn't. So I like the idea of, of keeping things se- separated out when, uh, when feasible. The other nice thing about it is with Apple Notes, you only get one dimension of organization, you know, a single folder. Um, with Ulysses, you, you have folders, but they call them groups, but they're folders really. And, um, but you also have keywords. So you have tagging. And for that part of the database, I've been applying keywords as well, which gives me uh, multiple ways to get mm-hmm. to the data. Yeah, because Notes doesn't support tagging or anything like that. So it's very um, simple, and it, which it, I'm glad it works the way I want it to work because I, I don't like tags, like folders and subfolders. But I, I do kind of wish for like yeah. one more layer of depth in notes. Like <laughs> I go one further yeah. down, it really solves some problems for me. But uh, alas, it is it is not to be. Something a lot of people don't know is on the Mac, you can create subfolders. Whereas on iOS, at least the last time I tried, you could not. You'd have to go to your Mac to make subfolders. I, I don't know if they fixed that. But the um, for a lot of people who use Notes on their phone and their iPad, you don't realize that you can actually have what? subfolders. I didn't know you could do that on the Mac. I thought it was just one layer down. This is amazing. Yeah, yeah, man. Just just go on Notes on your yep. Mac. Just drag one on top of the you other and you're good. just keep on going. Well, I know what I'm doing later yeah. tonight. <laughs> you're at FolderFest. <laughs> and talking about data and how we organize information, there was a, a form post about people's photos libraries, just kind of seeing yes. who had you know the biggest photo library. So I thought, I thought you and I should compare, and then I wanted to ask you a little bit about yeah. how you organize within photos. So as of right now, I'm opening the Photos app. I have 42,528 photos and 1,056 videos. I don't know if that's big or small. Uh, in the forums, people were like all over the place in terms of size. So where where are you? Where do you stack up? I, I beat you just slightly. I'm at 46,561. So, um, and you know, I'm usually pretty good about family events, about paring down. I talked about this in the photos field guide. It's like, you know, you don't need to have 40 pictures from every family event. When you get back, pick the four that are really good. And future you will thank you for it. But the um, the problem is I'm in some shared libraries with the, uh, with the family. And there's some new babies in my family. And not everybody in my, uh, in my family subscribes to the same theory. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I routinely get like 15 a day from one family member. <laughs> But uh, yeah, I have I have a lot of pictures, and uh, I'm looking here. There's a picture of some sheet music that I saw somewhere. I mean, it's just like goofy pictures. But I use all of the organizational techniques that Apple Photos can give you. I have uh, custom albums. I have shared albums. I um, I organize them by place. I organize by media type. I look at the people tab. 
Um, it's, it's very popular to make fun of the Apple Photos application, especially for folks that used to use Aperture or something more mm-hmm. robust. But I feel like for my level of sophistication, Apple Photos is a is a great solution. And, and I was never a big fan of iPhoto because I never found it to be that stable. iPhoto got a little a little buggy in the later years. And Aperture wasn't as good as people remember it being. It was pretty good by the end, but the first couple of versions of Aperture yeah. were train wrecks. What yeah. uh what I like about photos, of course, is just the iCloud photo syncing. I have that turned on. It's been after a r- admittedly rough start, it's been pretty bulletproof for me in the year since. I, I'm like you, though. I use basically every type of organization it gives me. I have an extensive, I mean, scanning this, I, I don't know, over 150 albums in here. I Generally, based on topic or person, the, what gets made into an album for me, I, I don't have a hard and fast rule. And there are times where I go in and I'll combine albums or I'll divide them out. I'll change. They, they evolve over time, just depending on you know my needs. But I also use uh, the faces. I uh, geotag photos. If I shoot them with my big camera, I go in and add location information to them. What's your What's your workflow for that? Uh, so if I if I'm shooting on my my Sony, uh, I shoot in RAW. I import from the SD card onto my Mac. I edit the raw images in uh, in Photoshop, like in Adobe Adobe's raw Photoshop environment. And I am like, yeah. like you. I believe in uh, editing and curating what I shoot. And part of that is I've got still have pretty young kids, and so. Sometimes it takes 10 shots of the four-year-old to get one where he's not moving around. And so I go through there. I I make the tweaks that I want. um, I save out the ones that I want in the highest quality JPEG that I can. I don't don't store raw files long-term usually. I will drag those JPEGs into photos. And then uh, once they're imported, I'll, you know, you can hit command I on a photo or multiple photos and you can assign a location. And the trick with this is, especially if you're traveling to more than one place, is A, make sure that your camera time, like the clock on your camera, is set to the same time as your iPhone. So they are, when you import these and they're intermixed with your iPhone shots, they all sort out the same way. They sort out the way you expect them to. And for yeah. every location you go, shoot a picture on your iPhone so you have the GPS information, GPS information of where you are. And so if you're on a family vacation or you're on a road trip and you have multiple stops and you may not import the photos for a couple of days or a couple of weeks even, you're going to forget where those were taken. You're not going to know exactly where you were. And if you have an iPhone image, you can just see where they were and you can make those adjustments in photos after you import them. And for me, that's really been a pretty bulletproof way to make sure that all the metadata uh, in photos is as correct as could be. Yeah, and then you can just show information for the photos you've imported and attach the location data there. Yep, I, I just do it right right within photos. Uh, I used to do that in, um, oh gosh. Who did Geo, maybe? Yes. Oh, yeah, you read my mind. Yes. Uh, that's a good app. Yeah. Uh, and if I have a lot of photos, I'll still do that. So you can drop the JPEGs into that, add the location data, and then basically write out the metadata to back to the photos. 
I'll do that if I have a bunch of things, but if it's just one or two that I end up keeping, I'll just do it in photos because, you know, I'm going to import them there anyways. So uh, that's worked pretty well for me over the years. And I mean, if I search my photo library, look, the vast majority of these photos are taken with an iPhone, but the ones that were taken with quote unquote, you know, the big camera, they have all of the metadata that you would expect from a, an iPhone photo. Yeah. And you can get, I mean, there's a couple of ways you can do it with Hooded Geo. You can buy a little GPS, um, uh, I guess, dongle, you know, it's mm-hmm. a little device that just, just stores a GPS file. Then you download that to your Mac and then it, it ties the, uses the time code to say, well, at 10 o'clock he was at this location. So attach that, that location's geodata to the photo. You can also do it with a, I believe there's some apps on the iPhone that you can use just to run a track, although it does, it's a little hard on your battery. Um, and then you can do it or the simpler way, like, like Steven was talking about, if you're not that intense about it, like we went to my niece's house, I took a bunch of pictures with a fancy camera cause there were babies. And when I got back, I just, I just typed in her name in the address field. Cause I already had her in my contacts database and it, it grabbed her address and just attached her address. Now it's not going to say front yard versus backyard. You know, it's right. Like you would have with the iPhone, you have very precise data, but it's close enough for me. And um, just taking a minute to do that when you do the sort is, is nice. I think we went down a little side road there though. That's okay. I, I would love to get into photos big time. Uh, maybe sometime this fall. Okay. I think yeah. it's a really powerful app. Let's do it. Let's do it. All right. Uh, we got some more to talk about, but let me tell you about our second sponsor, and that is our friends over at Text Expander. Text Expander is just one of those tools that if it's not installed and running on my Mac, my Mac feels broken. It feels like it's not doing what it's supposed to do because Text Expander has just found its way into my, not only my workflows for certain tasks, but kind of my just general computing on my computer. And with Text Expander 6.5 and 2.0 for Windows, uh, Smile has brought a new visual editor to your snippets. Text Expander for a long time has had lots of really powerful features like uh, snippet fill-ins, dates and date math, nested snippets, and more. But this new editor makes it easier to see and understand what they're doing so you can build things uh, more quickly and build things in a more robust fashion. You can insert words, phrases, forms, templates, and more with just a couple of key clicks anywhere you type. So it's not just in your Word documents or your Markdown documents, but it's in the browser, it's in iMessage, it's in Slack, wherever you are, Text Expander is right there with you. You can take control of your time and productivity by letting Text Expander handle your repetitive typing tasks. So one thing I've got to do on a monthly basis, I have to send these reports to a couple of people for work. And it's just over email, but it's a template of, you know, these payments were made on this date and this was sort of the, the category they're in. And I could go through and type all that out month after month, but it's going to be error prone and it's going to take more time. And so now I've got a template in Text Expander, and I expand it into a mail message, and I can go in and drop in the amounts, copy them from one place, put them in mail, and send it faster and with fewer errors because Text Expander is making uh, it's doing all the, the heavy lifting for me, really. If you love Text Expander like we do, and you love telling everyone about it, you can join the affiliate program to earn a little extra, which is pretty cool. 
So if you want to learn more or sign up, go to textexpander.com slash podcast and show listeners, listeners of MPU will get 20% off their first year. That's textexpander.com slash podcast and be sure to tell them the Mac Power user sent you. Okay, we have the finder. We're not done with it. Uh, as we're recording this, it's just been out for a little while, but we got some things we wanted to touch on. Sometimes in podcasting, oh, oh, the the multiverse makes itself known, where we're talking about something and it shows up elsewhere. So, yeah. I just wanted to point people if they haven't listened to uh, episode two hundred and forty three of Upgrade here on Relay FM, uh, Mike Hurley and Jason Snell's show. In this episode, Mike and Jason talk a lot about files on the iPad and Finder on the Mac and how. Jason uh, makes an argument that it's it's not just that Finder should be on the iPad, right? It's it's that they need to learn from each other and that both platforms have good things about the way that they work. And, you know, Apple should take things from column A and column B and not just override one with the other. I think it's a really nuanced and compelling argument that he makes on that show. And there's a, there's a Macward article he wrote along the same lines that I'll, I'll link as well. I still think the uh, the the iOS version could learn a lot more from the Mac version than probably the opposite. I mean, we have a lot of ways to organize files in the Mac and and quite limited ways to deal with files on iOS, though. And, and we didn't really get into it in that show. That show was all about the Mac. But um, I, I understand where he's coming from, and it, and it does make sense. I, I guess really this fundamental question is, in 2019, is there still a place for folders and files? You know, is hierarchical file structure still need to be a thing? I hope so. <laughs> That's yeah. the way I work. Yeah. Um, I think I think clearly clearly there is. I think something that he, ta- he Jason touched on, but something we really didn't, and something I kind of want to talk about now is Finder and your files and your subfolders and everything else, like. Finder is kind of the starting line for the Mac in, in a lot of ways. I think in our show description, we even called it the heart of the Mac. Yeah. Whereas on iOS, even to this day, even with files, iOS is an app-centric platform. Absolutely. So if you, yeah. if you want to create a Keynote document, you don't go to files and then find Keynote somehow. You, you open Keynote, right? And if you want to open a Pages document, you just open Pages. And if it's a Dropbox, then you navigate to it from within the Pages interface. And that is just, I think, baggage and legacy of where the iPhone came from, that it was all these apps and their little silos, and there was no files app. There was no central repository. Every file was, or every app was unto itself. And that's broken down over the years a little bit. But we see that on the Mac too. We see things like, you mentioned Ulysses earlier, IA Writer comes to mind for me, of apps that come with their own document library that, yes... You can dig around and, and find her and find them. But, you know, something like even like Photos or Notes or Evernote, apps that are the interface to their files, as opposed to something like Microsoft Word, where it is going to open the Word document that you tell it to, and it's not really managing where all those are. And that's a really – those are different philosophies. And uh, I wonder if, if you have one that you prefer – and what you think about these two ideas kind of coming together and, and maybe what that could look like. Well, I, I'd start out by saying that I think that 
it was not an accident on iOS that it was an app-centered world. I mean, I think that Apple has a lot of user numbers that we don't have, and they know how many people actually use the Finder. And we all have family members we know that, like, if you ask them to create a folder on their computer, whether it be Windows or Mac or anything else, their heads would explode. And And there's a lot of people out there that just never got on board with the traditional hierarchical f- f- uh, file system. Yeah. We talked about how much greater that was than the old um, system we had on, you know, the prior, um, you know, systems like the Apple II or, you know, the computers before that that had the command line interface, how much easier it was to have files and folders. But even that's a bridge too far for some people. And I think Apple was consciously looking at iOS as an opportunity to solve that problem by making it even easier but the problem was that in making it easier, they didn't have enough complexity to make it work for a lot of people. And I think that's why they've backslid on it a little bit. That's why they have nested folders. They even have an application like files now. I mean, I remember when the iPad was new that the only place you could find your files was in your apps. I mean, now you have the option to see them elsewhere and put things together in different places. But um, you know, the only place you could see it in the, in the old days was the keynote files were in keynote and the pages documents were in pages. And that was that, that being said, uh, I feel like they have taken steps toward the Mac in creating the files app, but I feel like they were half steps and they need to go further. Yeah, I agree. And I think that the idea of you just open the app and anything you can do in the app document wise is there like that is way more approachable than Finder. It's yeah. way more approachable than what subfolder of what subfolder did I yeah. save this in. It it really shows the difference in age and the the difference of the ages these things came from. Right when the Mac showed up, you know, having a a, a graphical user interface was considered a toy, and and uh, you know, saving your files in like a visual way with folders and subfolders was a really new and interesting concept. That then you know took off, and for thirty years was the way things were, and still is the way things are on the desktop, as we've said. But the iPhone shows up, and Apple has an opportunity to rethink that and to to put the power of managing your files, like kind of put that away, and and hey, just open the app you want to do stuff in, and all your stuff's there for that app. And and I remember in those early days, especially when the iPad came out. The iPhone, I didn't ever feel like it was as big of a concern, but you know, the iPad shows up and people want to use it as a as a computer, quote unquote. And you know what? A big part of that is is having uh, having files you can get to. Yeah. And the iPad felt so hamstrung for years and years that you were stuck with you know your documents in whatever app or or. God forbid you have to like sync them via iTunes. Remember that you drug drug a file into yeah. iTunes to yeah. get it on your iPad, yeah. like. Yeah. What in the world? And they've they've gotten away from that, but there's still a lot of ground to cover, as we've spoken about many times. And I just I can't help but wonder if Apple sees all this and, and they don't want to push it as far as some of us want to, again, because of that user data, because of the people they're trying to reach. But it does feel like it holds the iPad back in a lot of ways. I feel like the answer is to leave the old system in place, but make a more organized file system available to people that want it. I mean, and I think that those two goals are achievable. I mean, you can still have it where you open Keynote and you've got your Keynote folder with your Keynote files in it. 
Um, but for people who want to get into files and who want to get into folders, if you've got the mechanism in place to save, to create a new folder, which is something you don't have right now, uh, you can push those buttons, but you don't have to, if that makes sense. Um, yeah. But, but also, I appreciate that um, this isn't the the Mac, and I don't think it needs to have all the power of the Finder that we talked about in that episode. I'm not looking for a, a copy of the Finder. But I think mm-hmm. it needs to be a little more cooperative with people that need to do things. Another piece of this that I think is missing, like if they want to truly come up with an alternative to files and folders, I think tagging is a great alternative. And I think it's a completely different paradigm that maybe some people that don't understand folders could understand. Um, but that hasn't been really fully baked either on iOS. And as you know, I've talked about on the show before, you if you've got more than 10 or 15 tags, the only way to select one is to scroll through the list and hope you tap on the right one. Oh, and, you know, that's it, terrible. It, it's a, it seems to me like a simple fix, but, you know, it's easy to say when you're not working on the operating system. But, the, uh, but I, I think if they were to explore that too, I mean, why not have... The most basic implementation, you open up Keynote and the Keynote files are there. But then another level is it's got enough file support that you can put it in a different folder, create a folder. And another level is you can add tags or search tags. And, you know, all that stuff, I think, could be in a uh, in one system. And I think users could choose what they want, which mm-hmm. was, you know, which is what I think we really need to get at. I mean, I, I hear about and we'll talk about WWDC later, but. In fact, I'll just save it for later because we're going to talk about okay. it. Okay. Uh, I think the other part of this we brought up was Mac apps that act more like iOS apps in this regard. And I don't have any problem with that at all. I think apps yeah. like Ulysses or IA Writer or Notes or whatever. I mean, look, Mail's the oldest example of this in the book, right? Like yeah. you don't hunt around Finder for individual mail messages. Mail presents its own data to you. Yeah. I have no problem with these apps coming to the Mac and growing on the Mac, I think they'll continue to grow because a lot of people do want to work that way. And in a lot of applications, if you if you go all in, then you get benefits like it all just syncs to your iOS devices, right? If you're using IA Writer and using its like iCloud folder, that markdown's on your phone within seconds. And if it's saved to Dropbox or just to Finder, but you don't realize it, then you've, you've walked out the door without your document. Like you get benefits to playing in the sandbox, so to speak. And I think that's totally fine. It doesn't bother me that apps on the Mac have adopted this model because I think it is really useful. And look, you and I use apps like this every day. You know, We know what we're doing in the Finder. And I think that's a real testament to what these apps can bring over sort of the classic idea of like you have your application and you have your documents and the two shall not mix. And I think that's uh, kind of an old-fashioned way of thinking about it. Yeah, there, there's clearly not one answer. And uh, I would agree with Jason 100% that that both can benefit from each other. But uh, to me, the pain point right now is on iOS, and and hopefully that gets better. All right. Um, Anything else on the Finder? Well, the show just kind of came out. I'm sure we'll have more feedback on it. Yeah. I'm actually curious to hear from the listeners how many of them are going outside the Finder. I mean, we spent significant... um, uh, prep time on that show talking about alternatives, but I suspect the alternatives aren't as much in use as they used to be. That's, that's my, uh, my feeling too. So if you're out there and you're all in on a find a replacement, I would love to know what you're using and why you're using it uh, to, to better understand this. Cause I kind of left that, that episode thinking these alternatives are really cool. And a lot of them have really great features, but none of them were enough 
for me to jump through the hoops of running a second file browser on my Mac. Like I just, they just didn't. And uh, I'm just wondering where people land on that sort of thing. Yeah. Although the FTP and forklift, man, uh, I'll say it one last time. It's so nice. <laughs> it's really, yeah. it's really good. I'm sending all these keyboard maestro files out for uh, closed captioning and I've got to FTP them to the, to the folks that are helping me out with this. And forklift gets opened once a day right now on my desk. That's great. All right, let's take a break and talk about our sponsor, the folks over at Squarespace. This episode of Mac Power Users is brought to you by Squarespace. Make your next move with Squarespace. Squarespace lets you easily create a website for your next idea with a unique domain, award-winning templates, and more. Uh, So what do you want to create? Maybe it's an online store. Maybe you want to put together a portfolio of pictures of a new baby in the family or make the next great blog, Squarespace has the all-in-one platform that lets you do just that. There's nothing to install, no patches to worry about, no upgrades needed. You don't need to worry about any of that stuff. Squarespace has got it all covered, and they have award-winning 24-7 customer support if you need any help. I can attest to their 24-7 support because occasionally I have issues. I use Squarespace for both MaxSparky.com and my legal site, and Man, they, they get right back with you. They've got people all over the globe answering email at all hours. And they let you quickly and easily grab a unique domain name. So all of those award-winning templates are beautifully designed for you to show off your great ideas. Um, I I made the big move to Squarespace. I, I've lost track of it now, maybe five years ago. And I have just not regretted it one bit. I don't want to be a web developer. As much as I like being a nerd and talking about nerdy things, getting lost in the HTML or whatever the current web code is that everybody does is just not something I have time for or that I want to focus on. So I offloaded this to Squarespace and they've served me really well. Um, and, and another thing I really like about Squarespace is it's it's a guilt-free way to get non-nerd friends on the internet. I don't know about you, Stephen, but I just had somebody in my life that wants to set up a website for a new thing they're doing and and, you know, this happens to me at least two or three times a year. And I always do the same thing. I say, come over to my house. I will help you get a Squarespace account. My fee is that they use the MPU uh, offer code. <laughs> but the uh, but I set them up. You know, it takes an hour or two to show them how it works and how to upload pictures and, you know, how to do the blog. And, and people, these are people who really don't understand computers. But once they see how easy Squarespace is, they leave here, they're super excited, and they have a website that I do not have to manage. So that's an additional benefit. Anyway, Squarespace plans start at $12 a month, but you can start with a trial with no credit card required by going to squarespace.com slash MPU. And when you decide to sign up, use the offer code MPU to get 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain and to show your support for us here at the Mac Power Users. We like that. Once again, that's squarespace.com slash MPU and offer code MPU to get 10% off your first purchase. Thank you, Squarespace, for all of your support of this show and all of FM. Squarespace, make your next move, make your next website. So as promised, we're going to talk a little bit about WWDC. Uh, first of all, we should say we are both going uh, to be in town. This will be my, I think, WWDC number six for me. I think 2013 was my first one. So uh, I'm excited to be back and uh, we'll both be there. And on 
Tuesday, y'all are going to have an automators meetup, right? Yes, we are. It's a lunchtime meetup, and we'll put a sign up in the uh, show notes. We're also doing one in Orange County. Rose is going to come hang out. I, I need to bring her to the original Disneyland. So uh, she's coming down Orange County before we head up to San Jose. And uh, on the Friday night before WWDC, uh, which is, you'd think I would have this an internal RAM, but I don't on the, uh, on the 31st of May, Friday night, we're going to have a meetup in orange County and people are signing up for that too. So, uh, we got a couple meetups going on the, uh, on my side of things on, uh, Wednesday night, the, uh, the fifth, we're going to be doing a live episode of connected. So it's my show with Mike and Federico. Yeah. Uh, there are, as we're recording this, like seriously, a handful of tickets left, uh, so they'll they'll be a link into the show notes as, as, for that as well. We've done two or three live w, WWC shows now at this point, and uh, they're a lot of fun. The theater we do it in is awesome. Uh, but of course, we'll we'll also be recording a an MPU uh, probably in my Airbnb at some point that week. So lots of live recording that week. It's, it's always fun to be together and. Um, have in-person conversations about this stuff. Yeah, it is a lot of fun. I don't attend the conference, so I spend a lot of time uh, gadflying around. And uh, I've got a bunch of clients that are also developers, so I, I do some legal up there too. But it, I enjoy it every year. And it's, it always starts out fun, super fun uh, watching the keynote. And I'm looking forward to it this year more than I have in the past, I think. I think we're going to have some exciting things happen this year. I think so too. Um, so if you're uh, if you're around, be sure to say hi. Yes, please. I'll have stickers. Yes, we'll have stickers, and I'm the same as you. I've never attended the conference, but I'm just in town for the week doing shows and meeting people and um, and staying busy. So it'll be a fun week. But uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about what we want. So I, I don't want to frame this necessarily in what we expect. I think those are different things. I think yeah. if we could just have the wish list is the way I'm thinking about this of what would make us the happiest, maybe what what would we just love to see? And um, I think you should go first. Yeah, I, I like the idea of a wish list. I don't keep up with the rumors as much as I, I guess I should. So I don't really know what's what the leaks have been at this point. But I do know that I would like my wish list includes, as anybody who listens to the show knows, um, some improvements to iPad uh, as a productive, you know, laptop replacement. Uh, I've been trying in earnest to do that. Um, and there's some parts that, that still make me sad, uh, you know, kind of just piggybacking on our earlier discussion of the files app. Um, there's a lot of stuff missing on what I would consider low hanging fruit and file management on iOS. And it's like, I hear people talking about, well, hey, we want to get Final Cut and we want to get Xcode. That's great, but I just want to create a folder, you know, and I want better <laughs> access to my tags and just like stuff that everybody could use because file management is such a key part, I think, of anybody who gets work done on their devices. How do I get to my stuff? How do I put my stuff together? And um, and that is a, a missing problem here. I mean, we have Microsoft Word. We have Keynote. We have some powerful apps. I mean, for the types of work I do, a lot of the types of work I do. Um, I don't need the apps to be more powerful. I need, the, I just need the underlying file management stuff to get better. So that's a big deal to me. I, I struggle with this a little bit because yes, those apps are there, but 
and the ones you listed, I think, are actually like pretty good as far as being on level playing field with their desktop cousins. Yeah. But there are still like whole categories of Mac app that just aren't on the iPad or really struggle on the iPad. But when I think through that, most of the reasons are like core fundamental problems with iOS, not the iPad itself. So it's it's I feel like you're right. The underlying issues to a degree are almost more important than the 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 issues at the app level, if you will. Yeah, I wrote a, a post. I think it was two years ago that the eve of um, WWDC, I think I called it something like table stakes because everybody was just so upset with the iPad about how there were so, you know, I mean, the tools were even worse then. And I felt like I gave a list of things that what I considered table stakes that Apple had to deliver in order for us to believe that the iPad was a thing they even cared about. And, and they largely did. Um, that day. So they came through, but now it's been another two years and they've made us wait two years. And it's like, okay, there's been really no significant advancement in two years. Everybody feels a little surly again. And there's lots of rumors that we've got good stuff coming, but this file management thing to me is such a foundational issue. It's like, okay, let's say you do want final cut for your iPad do you have a way to group your media into folders? Do you have a way to get your media, you know, like when we had Jacob on a month or two ago and he was talking about everything he had to do to try and get files into his iPad? I mean, if you don't have those problems solved, the advanced applications, I don't see how they can work or even get developed. I mean, who's going to develop an app, an advanced application for the iPad if they can't have an easy way to access and manage files? Um, so I just feel like that is the table stakes now. And the scary thing for me is I have seen some of the rumors. I think nine to five Mac had a bunch of rumors a few weeks ago and it talked about improvements, but nothing mentioned file. The word file management didn't appear, you know, Mm -hmm. and the files app, maybe they think it's good enough still. And if they do, I would argue they are wrong. It it just holds so much back. It's just that common ground a common layer that is everything touches at some point. And if it's shaky, then the rest of it is secondary. Yeah. Just like I was talking about earlier in the show, you know, get me uh, better ways to manage and create folders. Give me easier ways to move files around. Give me easier ways to import files into the device. You know, just the basic stuff like that. I mean, and, and also improve tag um, creation and access and tagging. I mean, those are, those are the foundational things. So I guess you're talking about what are, what am I wishing? What would, what would I like to see um, on the iPad? It starts with that, that foundational file management stuff, all, all of the above, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Another thing I'd like, I guess, switching over to the Mac side, you know, and I guess what I would say is I'm kind of like, that's the one thing for me on iPad is you got to get the file management. There's a whole bunch more I've been hearing about. I think you've got some of these on your list and there are improvements I would like to see to iPad, but I need the table stakes. I need the improved file system in order to make it work for me. I'm I'm seriously going to consider, you know, does the iPad work as a mobile device for me if they don't? improve this stuff you know mm-hmm. uh, um anyway um the uh something i'd like to see on the mac side we know we've heard the rumors about marzipan everybody who writes podcasts talks makes videos about this stuff has been making fun of the marzipan transition apps we got last year you know the news app that can only open one window at a time you know the the voice recorder a bunch of that stuff that came over to mac um 
and it, it is bad. <laughs> you know, I mean, they're, they're bad. And uh, I feel like that Apple shipped something last year. I'm not going to um, prejudge what they're going to do this year. But it, what would make me happy is to see them, you know, take that ball further down the road and have a real solution to put iPad apps on the Mac that, you know, that's, that's not as bad as what they did last year. And I, I kind of feel like we're going to get it. I can't imagine they're going to show up with it in the same status it was last year. I believe that what we've seen this year with news and home and voice memos and stocks are proof of concept more than anything else, right? That I've got to believe that they know that's not acceptable <laughs> for yeah. a, a flood of new apps to the Mac because they, they are bad and they don't behave like Mac apps and they, they do strange things and they're kind of buggy and no doubt that we there's no doubt in my mind that this version of Mac OS that's coming is probably the most important release of Mac OS in a decade. I, I just firmly believe that, that maybe like since the leopard or snow leopard days, we haven't seen something this important. And part of that is that Mac apps are going to change. What we view as a good Mac app now is going to, be different in five or 10 years, maybe even quicker than that, depending on how these other apps look and work. And I, I, I'm, I fear a little bit that they're going to have like like a class system of Mac apps like there used to be where like you were stuck in classic mode or you had carbon apps and you had full Cocoa apps and, you know, they all three felt different and, and looked different. But I hope it's not as bad as that. But I do think they need to tell a story that you can build real and good Mac apps with this technology. And so I'm hopeful that they are going to get it right because unlike some people in our community, I do think Apple still cares about the Mac. I do think that they are making investment in it. They wouldn't be re-architecting Mac OS to run iPad apps if they didn't care about the Mac. They they wouldn't do it. Yeah, if they if they thought it was dead, this wouldn't be happening. That's right. And so I, I because of that belief, I, I choose to be hopeful that Whatever we're going to see with Marzipan is is a positive change that these apps uh, will be good. It occurs to me as we started talking about this, I didn't explain Marzipan, and there may be some listeners that aren't that don't read every rumor article. <laughs> so Marzipan is the is the uh, presumed code word for a, an initiative at Apple that allows you to move iPad apps and just iPad apps, at least for now, over to the Mac, and that's why we saw the Home app and the I think you know. Um, you know, the voice memos and the news. And what was the other one? I think was it the stock app? I forget. Stocks. What. Yeah, yep. Stocks. You can tell how often I open it. Um, but the, but the, uh, but to move them over to the Mac and the idea would be to have an easy system or people who make fantastic iPad apps to be able to sell it to people who want to use it on the Mac or, or have it alternatively run on the Mac. And so imagine, you know, the easy ones here are things like Netflix, you know, Netflix doesn't have a good solution on the Mac, but if they could just push a button and export their iPad app to the Mac, you could watch your Netflix on your Mac without, with very little trouble. Um, mm -hmm. But what if it got even better? What if apps like Fantastical or OmniFocus or, you know, really powerful apps that exist on iOS could be run on your Mac? Maybe that's something you would like. And, um, you know, how do you pick a date when you switch from touch to mouse? How do you do you have a menu bar? You know, all those little problems are the things that we're waiting to see at WWDC and how Apple handles them. And 
one thing it will do is breathe a ton of a ton of life into the Mac in terms of new apps because the app is kind of stale right now in terms of the app market. There's not a lot of innovation going on, but now we could grab all the innovation that's going on on iPad and put it on the Mac. And uh, I, you know, I'm the optimist in me is excited about that. Uh, do you have any hopes for Mac hardware? Um, I have a reach. <laughs> My okay. reach is. Uh, a new uh, laptop that has a new keyboard system. I mean, this is this whole thing with this keyboard is ridiculous, and um, and I want Agreed. I want them to fix it. <laughs> uh, they've got to. I don't know if it's now or in the fall, but they they've got to replace this keyboard. And there were rumors of like a a new fifteen or sixteen inch MacBook Pro with a new design, and maybe the keyboard would start there. I don't know. As as a as a devout 13-inch MacBook Pro user. <laughs> I want to see see that improved as well. And look, and I look, I've got a 2018. So I had the 2016 MacBook Pro, the first Thunderbolt 3 one. Yeah. And the keyboard failed. Uh, I made a big deal of it on Connected, including like uh, sh- lifting it up in a live show as a, as a key fell off of it. Like it was, it was bad. And I went back to the 2015 for a long time. And then when the 2018s came out with the, you know, the membrane under the keyboard, I thought, Okay, I'll give it another shot, and uh, I haven't had a key break, but uh, you know, on occasion I'll have a key get sticky for a little while, or the space bar in particular will act up, and they're just not—they're just not good enough. They're not robust enough, and, and you know that—that that is taking out the debate of whether you like the keyboard or not, whether you like the feel or the sound or the or the the arrow keys or the touch bar. All take all that off the table. From a reliability perspective, the keyboards are bad, and yeah. I, they've got to do something. It would be a big win for them to announce this and say, hey, you know, we, we fixed the keyboard, and, and here it is. Because a lot of developers use MacBook Pros to do their work, a lot of developers, and that's playing into the, the home court advantage there at WBDC. Yeah, they, they could literally go back to the old keyboard. And maybe change the color and give it an entirely new name and say, we spent 10 years researching this, and this is the new ultimate keyboard. I don't care. Spin it any way you want, but, but change mm-hmm. it. Um, uh, honestly, the the external keyboards, uh, like the Magic Keyboard uh, 2, I have one right in front of me. Yep. I've used this keyboard since 2014, I think, whenever it first came out. And I eat at my desk. I've spilled water onto it, like... A bunch of the keys, like the letters are rubbing off, which is not great, but it's, you know, five years old. So I'm okay. It's a sign of the use, though. That, yes. Yeah. Uh, the uh, the left command key, like, it doesn't really have a command symbol on it anymore. <laughs> it just says command. Um, and you know what? I've never had a key stick or fail. And this keyboard has been just abused for years. And that's what I want out of a laptop. So fingers crossed that your reach comes true. Have you got just the basic or you've got the extended? Just the basic. I don't like the extended keyboard. I like my mouse to be as cl- as narrow and tight to the keyboard as possible. And so I, I don't use the one with the extended keypad on it. Uh, you know, the thing, I, I understand why you say that. I used to believe that. Um, the reason I like the extended one, though, and you'll see when I get you uh, early access to this keyboard maestro field guide, there's so many macros you can tie to keyboard shortcuts. And that extended keyboard gives you a bunch of keys that you yeah. can use for that. And that's kind of nice. This episode of Mac Power Users is brought to you by Moo. Moo is an online print and design company. It offers a variety of premium print products, including business cards, postcards, notebooks, 
and more, and they deliver to happy customers all over the world. Networking is an important part of any career, whether you're a designer or you're a writer or you're a CEO or you're a podcaster. You don't want to get caught out by not having a business card in that important moment when you're exchanging information. And in our 21st century world, business cards are still the way this happens. And for good reason, because business cards can be a way to share and show your creativity and Moo can help you with that because they have great design it's right at the heart of everything the company does. And there's nothing like a slick, well-made business card. Uh, my cards are from Moo, and I printed mine on really heavy cardstock, and they have rounded corners. And every single time I hand a business card to somebody, they remark on it. They, they notice the quality, and I think that's a, a cool thing. But you can do all sorts of extras. You can do... Uh, gold foiling, spot gloss, uh, all sorts of thick textured paper, everything you need for a high-quality, memorable business card. You can count on Moo to help you make a great first impression, whether it's that all-important first meeting, uh, whether you need customized flyers for an upcoming event in your community, or something like stickers or notebooks or greeting cards. They've got you covered. The notebooks are really nice. You can get them in soft or hardcover. They can be customized with your brand if you're ordering more than 50, and they're seriously great quality. If you need high-quality print products, you can get 15% off your order right now if you go to moo.com and use the promo code PRINT15 at checkout. Once again, that's moo.com and promo code PRINT15. Our thanks to Moo for their support of Mac Power users and all of Relay FM. Moo, let's get physical. All right, so we were doing all my wish casting. <laughs> let's hear some from you, Stephen. So I'll say I agree with everything, every single thing you talked about, I think would be good. Uh, one thing you didn't mention that, that I really want to see is a preview of the Mac Pro. So my first WDC was 2013 when they previewed the Trash Can Mac Pro. And uh, we all know how that ended up. We don't have to dive into that particular painful bit of history. But the Mac Pro is not uh, not in great shape. And they've promised a new one. Uh, they've said that it's going to be uh, coming this year. And I fully expect and wish that we'll see a preview of this. I mean, A, I wish it would ship at WC. I don't think it will. I think we'll get it at the end of the year like the iMac Pro. But I think that it's time to, to show us uh, what what they're doing with it. And like the MacBook Pro, the Mac Pro itself, the desktop, you know, developers are a good use case for that, a good a good customer base for that. So I hope that we see that uh, they can show us what they've been doing for the last two years and building a new Mac Pro. Yeah, they're definitely playing to the audience, sharing a new Mac Toad. Pro. Oh man, if it's a hit, like that's all people will talk about all week. Oh, they'll they'll be excited no matter what. I mean, when the trash can was announced, everybody was excited. They just you know. Just took a while to sink in that it was a lot more limited than than they wanted. Mm-hmm. We didn't know the pain that it was going to bring yet. Are you going to um, Are you going to do a stealth swap? You know, am I going to hear a month <laughs> later that the uh, that the iMac Pro is gone and the the Mac Pro? You got? I think you need to promise us if you decide to get one, you got to share it up front, man. We got to hear the whole story. Oh yeah, so I I'm interested in the Mac Pro. So I have the baseline iMac Pro. It's the best computer I've ever owned. I'm really happy with it. But if I had a complaint, it's that I can't use this iMac Pro for 10 years. 
you know, because it's all sealed in. I can yes, I can get RAM added by the Apple Store, but if the Mac Pro truly is upgradable over time, and we won't know that at the beginning. They could say that it is, but we're not going to know that until a few years into it when people try to upgrade it. And so if that pans out, uh, I could see myself moving to a Mac Pro because I do need a lot of power out of my computer. And if it's something that I can upgrade over time, then that feels like something that I would I would want to do. But we will see. Uh, they've got to make a case to me that it's better than the iMac Pro in that regard, but still runs silently like the iMac Pro basically does. And I want to see what the display story is and all that stuff. So I color me interested, but not sold quite yet. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I have no desire. I, I've never been interested in the Mac Pro line because the stuff I do, I mean, I do like, I, I have an iMac Pro, which is nice because the video render is so crazy fast. Mm-hmm. But um, uh, I don't think I need to go beyond that. And and, and I really like the, the all-in-one. I just like the fact, if you saw, in fact, I, I posted my setup. You can see it. I mean, there's nothing on the ground uh, there's no wires running from this box to that box. I just love that it's all self-contained. And I bought it knowing, hey, this is going to be good for five or six years. And I'm going to spend a truckload of money to buy the newer version of whatever this is then. And I'm okay with that, you know. And, and I yeah, I've got zero interest in it. But I, I, I am curious to see how they do it. Like, I hope that it is more upgradable than the trash can was. But I don't expect it to be like the cheese grater. I don't think it's going to be as upgradable as that one was. And I'm just curious to see what that means to Apple at this time. I think that's the question at the heart of all of this, honestly. Yeah. So we'll see. Uh, I hope that they shed some light on that mystery this summer. Yeah. Uh, You spoke a lot about marzipan. I am in uh, lockstep with you on what I think about it. Uh, The only thing I would add to that is that I hope that Apple does something to ease the fear that some in the Mac community have that the Mac is going to become like a watered down big iPad. For, and yeah. I don't, I'm not saying I agree with that, but some people have that perspective clearly. And I hope Apple addresses that. I hope they have part of their story as, you know, the Mac is still a superset. It's still special. It still has capabilities that these other devices don't have not to keep those other devices down, but to, to really show their commitment to the Mac continue to be the Mac. You know, we talk a lot on the show about Mac specific features like menu bar apps and these things that just aren't on iOS and Apple needs to show they're committed to those things that keep the Mac special. And uh, I hope that we hope that we see that there in, in some way or another. I don't know what that would look like, but just a feeling that, Hey, the Mac is, is still going to be okay. Even with all these iPad apps showing up. Okay, so you know how I talked earlier about I think there's a solution on iPad to have a simple file system in addition to complex file tools? Mm -hmm. I think that's the same thing on the Mac. And I hope people don't overlook the fact that no matter what they do with Marzipan, all the stuff that's in the Mac is still going to be on the Mac. And, you know, developers that want to take advantage of all of that, like Keyboard Maestro is on my mind because I've been working on it so much. Keyboard Maestro is not going away no matter what they do. Um, with the Mac, even if they make Siri shortcuts for the Mac, which I think would be really cool, you know, the, the powerful tools that we have aren't going away and they're still able to be developed. So I, I just think that we can certainly have our cake and eat it too with this stuff. Yep. I think so too. 
It's not, it's not going to be the sky is falling. I mean, if you're listening to the show, I, I guarantee you there's going to be blog posts and podcasts that make it sound like the sky is falling for the Mac after this. I don't think that that'll be the case. And we're going to record a show after the keynote so we can, we can talk about it more then. But uh, I think we're going to be just fine. I, I hope that the fear of that problem doesn't hold them back from making as as good a possible marzipan transition as they can. I mean, I hope that they're not so afraid that people will be spooked that they don't make it good uh, in terms of moving the iPad apps over. Does that make sense? It does. Absolutely. What else is on your list? Uh, the, the last thing for me, because your list was so good, is uh, I want, and I've wanted this for a long time now, true, honest goodness, family sharing in iCloud Photo Library. So right now you can have shared albums and you can like send photos to people, but there's a lot of limitations around that. And honestly... I just want to pick an album and say, my wife has access to this in her photo library. And, you know, we can move things in and out of them as we want because and I'm sure this is not true. I'm sure this is true for lots of people besides just uh, my wife and I. Our photo library has a ton of overlap, right? Like yeah. uh, I took a bunch of kids, a bunch of kid pictures at Easter of the kids all dressed up, right? And edited down to the 10 or 11 we were going to keep. And I imported them into my photo library and then I copied the, him, them to her MacBook Air, and I put them in her photo library. You know, we have a big pool of shared data, whatever, but what? that's so silly. Like, why can't we have shared albums? Google Photos does this so well, and Apple just doesn't have a real solution to this beyond the shared albums, uh, you know, the shared photo stream stuff. So uh, I've wanted this for a long time. I will, I will give Apple credit where Apple... Deserves credit. Photos continues to improve year after year at a pretty remarkable pace. Yeah, it wasn't super great when they relaunched it, but now it's actually really good. And they've they've done so much in terms of syncing face metadata and all the searching you can do and the organizational tools have gotten better. And this just feels like something that has to be on that list. And I hope that this is the year because, you know, shuttling photos via sneaker net between two iCloud photo libraries just isn't acceptable. Uh, in this day and age when, you know, it, it can be a lot easier, I think. Yeah, I feel like it's the obvious next step and it's overdue. I mean, and I hope this is the year. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if it will be, but I, I agree with you. I, I Well, I want to get past this step. I want sharing to be so easy that we can start going blue sky again and saying, okay, what else could you do with photos now? You know, now you've, now you've taken care of the easy problems. Let's figure out some of the harder ones. That would be great. All right. Well, hey, we, we both have got some uh, some good ideas. I hope uh, someone at Apple's listening. It's too late now. I'm sure they've already got everything locked in. <laughs> but but the, uh, I do hope that we see some of these things happen. Man, the, the files thing on, on iOS, I'm, I hate to keep whining about it, but it, it just it is a thing I hit almost daily. And I'm like, this is so solvable. Anyway, yeah. Okay. Well, anyway, uh, we are the Mac Power Users. You can find us over at relay.fm slash MPU. What else we got going on, Steve? Anything exciting going on over at 512 Pixels? Uh, I've, I'm working. Uh, hopefully, it'll be up by the time this is up, but I'm, I'm working on an article looking at what the next iPhone 10R could look like. You know, the 10R is a great phone. I had one for a while and really liked it. And I, I think it has a future. And so I'm kind of like trying to tease out what that future could be. So if, if I get that done by the time this goes up, I'll be sure to have a, a link in the show notes. Yeah, I am a, I've been working my tail off on Keyboard Maestro. I logged like 60 hours on it in the last two weeks. Oh, boy. <laughs> the, um, 
the uh, but the uh, it's coming out great. It's all the um, screencasting is done now. I'm, I'm doing a bunch of post production stuff. Um, so uh, I have marked my calendar as May 21st is the day it's going to release. So now I've stated it publicly. I have to live up to it. Um, but the uh, so it's coming along great. But that's been a big focus lately. So I'll have a lot more on that in a, in a few weeks. All right, gang. Uh, thanks to our sponsors: One Password, Smile, Squarespace, and Move. And we'll see you next week.